All right, this week on Research Podcast, carry on with our Vegas vibe. We got this story about the real-life Dr. Gonzo, Joseph Acosta, or Oscar Zeta Acosta, not Joseph, never mind. Uh, why did I think his name is? So, Dr. Gonzo from Fear and Lillian was based on a real dude. He was a lawyer in uh, L.A., East L.A., and he became friends with Hunter S. Thompson back in the day, and that's how they met. And so when he, uh, the whole the shit happens, like in... Uh, here in Lillian, Las Vegas, like with he's like, oh, this is my attorney. Um, yeah. That he was, they, he really was an attorney. He was a, for Chicano rights. He was a Chicano activist in East LA. Is uh, <coughs> is the term Gonzo like, oh man, yeah, no, she's he's Gonzo. He left. Is that originated from this guy? No, no, Gonzo. Is that because it's just gone? It's just gone. Gonzo. But Gonzo is like, it does, it signifies a term of like just kind of uh, erratic, free form. Um, journalism I, or no, without like any, like basically you're researching you're you're researching you're covering something you're researching it but you're not writing any notes you're just kind of going off like exactly how it's happening freestyle freestyle yeah basically that's a gonzo journalism that's what, that's uh, what but, he's, but they're gonzo I always just thought like uh, if, if your friend is all tripping hard or fucked up he's like oh no he's gonzo right now he's gonzo in it Okay, so we're going to go through this book. It's called Unsolved Deaths, Strange Deaths, and Mysterious Disappearances. We're citing our sources for the... Because I don't do research on nothing. I like the color of that book. Yeah. Purple with a skull on it. That's like totally my style, dog. So, who killed Dr. Gonzo? It wasn't me, dude. I swear. <clears throat> Let's uh, read this. Let's go through the shit and we'll kind of like see what's up. We'll see what's up. So, larger-than-life Chicano activist Oscar Zedek Acosta, the inspiration for Hunter S. Thompson's character Dr. Gonzo, disappeared without a trace in Mexico in 1974. Wait, is this guy Spanish? He's Mexican. Is it Gonzo? Gonzo. So it's Gonzo. Not Gonzo. It's Gonzo. But it's Hunter S. Thompson, so it's Dr. Gonzo. No, Dr. Gonzo. Well, how do you say doctor? I just said, told you, doctor. El oh. Doctor Gonzo. El Doctorino. Gonzalez. Maybe it's short for Gonzalez. His last name wasn't Gonzalez. It's Gonzalez. All right. Okay. Let's go. Whatever. <laughs> Oscar Zedek Acosta was a lawyer, a novelist, an activist in the Chicano movement, or El Movimiento, promoting civil rights for Mexican Americans. The self-styled Brown Buffalo was a powerful, built, colorful figure who wore decorative ties and whose floral briefcase bore Chicano Power sticker. He once attended court barefoot and another occasion Damn. in company with his friend uh, Hunter S. Thompson pioneered the form of gonzo journalism and set fire to a judge's lawn during a trial. Damn dude this <laughs> was hardcore. Yeah, this fool's not fucking around. So yeah he was a kind of a very flamboyant character during like the early 70s late 60s Chicano movement because um, I don't know if you knew this but Mexican Americans weren't always treated the best back in the day. Yeah I figured. <laughs> I knew it. You, you could, you kind of probably could have guessed that, but we were treated better. I guess it's kind of like those weird things, where like when it comes to like black people, African Americans, um, Cuban, like people like are from the islands that are more darker skinned, not African American, but like they're Dominicans, right? Like Mexican, brown, Asian, like brown, the browns. Dark, dark. They are treated infinitely worse than. I think Mexicans and Chinese people and other races because they're what more light skinned. It it does really go back to like just like oh you just don't like black people. 
You just, like, you just fucking white people are just racist as fuck. You just don't like. You'll treat us like shit. But you'll treat these people like shit. Shit, shit. Shit, shit. Like we can get, we can, we can level the player playing field at some point. But it almost seems like the black community is always like. Like the stuff that shit poops out. Yeah, they're like just like always more downtrodden than. Because we've actually made some bigger strides. Like I get when I get pulled over from the cops, I don't have to worry about like oh the cops gonna fucking kill me the way like oh uh, yeah back and back Americans have to be worried about that fucking people get killed when they're unarmed and like just it's fucking grave it sucks it's, it's bullshit. grave yeah. Doctor Grave. But anyway, he was a a, pr- a prominent figure and getting Chicano rights kind of in like spearheading that whole movement back in the late sixties or seventies so. Um, as Dr. John Gonzo, he was a key character in uh, Hunter S. Thompson's uh, celebrated 1972 novel, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He eventually sued Hunter S. Thompson over his predict, uh, portrayal portrayal in the book, Damn. saying that it ruined his reputation. So then oh, Hunter S. Thompson funded um, the money to have him write his own book uh, in his own words. So he did come out with the book based off the Dr. Gonzo character, but did it in his way that he would rather have done it. So, that, oh. But then their friendship was a little bit kind of um, frayed at the time because oh. he, he, he was all pissed off that he was portrayed like as a crazy drunken Samoan drug oh, addict. Oh, I see. Because he, he didn't want to say that he was outrightly Mexican-American because that, they would got, bring too much heat, so he put him, made him as Samoan, as Samoan. Oh. in the book. But he was like, why not? Like, well, I'm fucking... Piss me off, whatever. <laughs> Born in Texas but raised in Riverbank, California, Costa joined the Air Force and then studied creative writing in San Francisco before becoming a lawyer in Oakland in 1966. He met Thompson in 1967 and the following year moved to Southern California to join the Chicano movement, working as an activist lawyer. He was among the attorneys who defended the East Side 13, a group of secretly indicted for organizing educational walkouts and marches in 1968 to protest poor conditions in mainly Latino schools and neighborhoods in Los Angeles. So he was like trying to go like, you know, do do a shit, right? So the funny thing about that is when he met Hunter S. Thompson in Oakland, Hunter S. Thompson was uh, writing a book called Hell's Angels and partying with the Hell's Angels. Oh, damn. And then eventually he got his ass kicked by all the hell. He got jumped by the Hell's Angels and kicked to the side. Yeah, disrespected them or something? No, nah, he uh, he saw some guy beating his wife and he tried to interject. And then all the guys were like, fuck you, you can't do that. You can't. What? And then they kicked his ass and then he stopped hanging out with them. Oh. It's, a, it's in the book. Damn. If you haven't read uh, Hell's, An- uh, Hang- Hell's Angels by Hunter S. Thompson or Fear and Loathing, I'll, I'll, I'll... Hell's Angels pretty good book but anyway that's around the time that they were meeting so they're all like running like super counterculture circles around this time so okay um each defendant faced 66 years in prison but acosta and the other defense lawyers succeeded in arguing that the protest organizers were exercising their first amendment rights and in 1971 uh thompson wrote about uh, acosta's work in east la for rolling stone magazine that's started their friendship while holding discussions for this piece the pair determined to make a trip to las vegas in order to escape police and local community attention and to be free to talk openly about the racial tensions in la and the death of the american mexican-american la times journalist ruben salazar killed on an anti-vietnam uh anti-vietnam march 
1970 after being struck by a projectile containing tear gas fired by the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Salazar's death was one of the principal subjects of Thompson's 1900-worded Rolling Stones piece, Strange Roamings in Atzlan. And Thompson's unaccosted trip to Nevada was the focus of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which the lawyer was transformed into Dr. Gonzo, a 300-pound Samoan. So basically, the the murder of Richard Salazar was a pretty big case in like a, the Chicano movement back in the seventies, because he was basically in a peaceful protest, and like the cops came in and like shot him with a thing of tear gas, and he died. Damn. So she was fucking gnarly back in the day, man. Yeah, that's remember crazy. like yeah, like like went during the George Floyd shit, and everyone's like protesting, and the cops were acting too aggressive, yeah. but then blaming it on the protest. That shit, this shit happens all the time. It's right. crazy. But it just depends on like what movement and how the press are going to cover it makes it seem either one way or the other how you define Damn, whether the, define their motives as as good or define their motives as bad. For the most part, I think like most protests are just trying to make a change, and if you're not really like accept the change, you're going to push back, and that's what the cops' jobs are. Jobs are just cops' jobs are to fucking make things difficult for everyone, no matter what. Yeah, dude, it sucks. That's crazy, dude. I I feel like I'm learning a lot in this episode. Acosta was charismatic, unconventional, audacious, and multi-talented. Before his disappearance in 1974, he had left the Roman Catholic Church into which he had been born and become a, a Baptist pastor. He ran for L.A. County Sheriff in 1970, but lost to Peter J. Pritchett. And he published two novels, Autobiograph- The Autobiography of a Brown Buffalo and The Revolt of the Cockroach People. He was an enthusiastic drug user. Thompson said he had an addiction to amphetamines and liked to take LSD. And the combination of a 250-pound Mexican on LSD was a potentially terminal menace. So, um, (laughs) everyone was on LSD back in the day. The funny thing about LSD back in the day, the only way to get LSD was you have to get it from the CIA. From the CIA. I've heard this story. I've heard that They would go to colleges and distribute uh, LSD to college kids and all these counterculture groups to try to fuck them up. And then they did it without realizing it's actually going to, like, do more things that they didn't want them to do than what they actually tried to wanted them to do. They thought it was like, oh, you're going to go crazy, so take all this LSD. It was like, but it expanded their mind, so it, ended, it actually created the whole counterculture that they were trying to stop to begin with. I don't understand that drug, dude. It's just not for me. I, I don't, I could not recommend it to anybody. Yeah, but just think about that. So you're just some college kid in East LA. You're like you're taking community college classes. Some guy's like, hey, why don't you do why don't you do the study? He's like, sure, I'll do the study. And then they just dose you up with LSD. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be pissed, dude. I was like, what the hell? Without you knowing that you're getting dosed up. That would That's, suck. That was part of the MK Ultra program by the run by the CIA. People still think it's going on. I kinda of feel that it's probably still psyops like does anybody take LSD for fun anymore? Yeah, I have a lot of friends that still take Damn, LSD. Damn, dude. So nervous. Well, you have so to like crazy. have it's now it's like kind of watered down, muted a little bit, and you have to have to put yourself in like the right environment. It's one thing to like do LSD when you know that you're going to be in a safe place with friends that are also going to keep uh, an eye on you, or just like going to college, getting something from some random fucking CIA agent that, that you don't know is a CIA agent. And then later, just start tripping balls. You're going to fucking yeah. lose your shit. That's that, terrible. Yeah. It's scaring me right now. 
Um, okay, so Acosta was Kermit, blah, 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 blah. We read that part. Um, and the introduction he wrote to Acosta's novel in The Revolt of the Cockroach People, Thompson said that he, the author was a wild boy, brought a terrible joy with him, and that he was one of God's own prototypes. Wild too, boys. Too rare to live and too weird to die. Oh, yeah. That's my, my favorite line. That's a pretty good quote. In May 1974, Acosta went missing while traveling in Mexico. He telephoned his son, Marco, from Mazatlan and told him he was about to board a boat. He headed out onto the ocean and was never heard from again. Many theories swirled around his disappearance. Some people argue that he was shot when a drug bus went wrong. Others suggested he had a nervous breakdown, possibly drug-induced, and drowned. Marco later said that in all likelihood, knowing that he was uh, in the people he was involved with, he got into a, an argument with the wrong people and was killed in a brawl. Shot in the face. Shot in the face. The big buffalo. Always oh, no brown buffalo. The brown, brown buffalo. So that's the, that's. So he basically went to Mexico. Said he was. Oh, I'm about to join this. Go on this boat. And uh, went missing. Was never heard from again. People still. His death is still a mystery. Even to this day. Yeah, well, like, people go missing in Mexico all the time. If you're going to make someone go missing... Go to TJ. Go make, make him go missing in Mexico. So you listen to the episode with my homie... Yeah, uh, that, Ivan, one, right? that was crazy, yeah. Where he just saw a random dead Where body death, folded death, into... Death is just at every corner. Oh, yeah, the, the, there was a person hanging there in that tree this morning. They, they cleaned it up now. That's crazy, <laughs> yeah, dude. <the> like, <laughs> Like uh, when they were talking about Playas, like that's I've been to Playas in Tijuana, and it's like gnarly. Yeah, I've been to Playas. It's a, it's like weird. It's like nice, weird, near weird, nice. But you want to just like I'd rather just like I'm not gonna stop here. I'm just gonna make my no. way to Rosarito. Yeah, dude, no, don't go there. No, well, I mean you can go there, but if you want, we used to go for for the bullfights. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I remember that. Strange stories of Doctor Gonzo. We don't know what happened to the brown buffalo, and as other cases of unsolved disappearances, um, some people refused to believe that he actually died and decided he had gone underground. His friend Hunter S. Thompson would receive letters from people claiming to have spotted him long after his apparent death of 1974. Sightings reported all over the globe. One popular theory was he had returned to the U.S. and was living in Miami. Uh, Thompson addressed some of these rumors in another Rolling Stone article entitled The Banshee Screams for Buffalo Meat, <laughs> the title, <laughs> published in uh, 1977, in which he wrote of the missing activist that he was too weird to live and too rare to die. He certainly had an afterlife in the movies, being played by Peter Boyle in the 1980 picture Where the Buffalo Roam, which is the first movie based on oh. uh, Hunter S. Thompson with Bill Murray. Bill Murray plays Hunter S. Thompson in Where the Buffalo Roam. It's not that great of a movie, to be honest. I saw it right under the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas on that. Fear and Loathing is a way better movie. Um, And he was portrayed by Benicio Del Toro in the 1997 movie adaptation of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp as John uh, Hunter S. Thompson and directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh, Del Toro led a 2017 documentary picture the Rise and Fall of the Brown Buffalo, directed by Philippe Rodriguez. So if you want to know more about uh, Oscar Acosta, there's uh, places to go figure out. But he has, he lived this crazy life, became like a prominent, like, mythical figure in the Chicano community. Did a lot of things to help the Chicano movement. 
And then he just ended up missing one day. And no one knows what the fuck happened to him. Brown Buffalo, dude. Brown Buffalo. I wonder why that's not more of a, a nickname rather than... Gonzo. I mean, I think Gonzo is more popular than Doctor Gonzo. The Brown Buffalo. It's well, people cool, know though. him. People know him more as the Doctor Gonzo character than what he actually accomplished in his real life. Oh yeah. But for all intents and purposes, he was also a fucking drug addict and crazy madman on LSD. A big so, Mexican. Big crazy. Mexican I, did, I on never LSD. knew that. I never knew that the the character. The Benicio del Toro. I thought he was actually a big Samoan guy. No, no, no. He was based like he changed. He just switched it up. He switched it to Samoan because he didn't want he didn't want people to tie the character directly to. I didn't want to piss uh, him off. Acosta, but that pissed off Acosta because he wanted the fame. He wanted the notoriety. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. So then and he thought like the, it was the depiction wasn't accurate. So he want then Hunters Thompson helped him write and fund his book. Um, oh, just to to yeah. be cool. Right? The story of the brown, yeah. the story of the brown buffalo. The brown buffalo. That's pretty sick. But it also kind of hurt their friendship in a way. Yeah. But then he like the, he was dead in two years or missing Damn. two years later. That's after crazy, that anyway. dude. So that's a story that's pretty... of unsolved deaths, strange and deaths. mysterious disappearances. Doctor Gonzo Gonzalez. All right, shout out to all our homies out there. Call the hotline six one nine two six nine ten fifty seven. Let us know what you know about think about this episode. Shout out to Mental Illness Warehouse. Wait, no, theater. No, Mental Illness Theater, son. You gotta go, get it right, man. You can go to the warehouse and get, and then there's probably a theater in there somewhere. Uh, shout out to uh, all those other, like, who goes to their podcast. Shout out to you. Uh, to the daily listeners, son. To our Especially daily listeners. you. Yeah, thanks You're for, the motherfucking best. Thanks for propping up our podcast. Yeah, we're getting famous now. I don't for know about sure. that. We're getting some decent listenership, but I don't know how much. Hugs. I don't know what it's like compared to other people's. Yeah, I don't know, man. Hugs. I'm just surprised that we're still doing this. <laughs> it's been two years. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Anyways, shout out. Love you. If, oh, yeah, call the hotline if you want. Yeah. When times are grave, call your compadres, Steven Saul. <laughs> call your mom. <laughs>